0: What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm Coulter Duanez. Welcome to October. They always say the games that you remember are played in November. Well, November starts a couple weeks early at the Big Sky Conference because starting on Saturday, I can't tell you how excited I am for this. Starting on Saturday, I would reckon that the national game of the week across the FCS is a Big Sky game, and I and s- several of us, at least uh, some of us from Skyline Sports, different collections of us, will be at every single one of them. starting Saturday Saturday with Montana at Idaho the battle for Little Brown Stein at the Kibbe Dome an absolutely pivotal game within the scope of this 2023 season but also an absolutely pivotal game within the history of one of the storied rivalries in the Big Sky Conference it's it's it was a, a, a true battle for years and years and years and years Idaho was the team that everybody including Montana was chasing for the whole beginning part of the division one double era 1978 through 1993 when Idaho won their uh, most recent Big Sky Conference championship then of course the Vandals leave the rise of Dave Dickinson and Don Reed and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies dominate the league for the next 20-plus years. Now it's been the rise of the Bobcats the last 10 years. And Idaho's been walking around in no-man's land and trying to find somewhere to be some home to have. Well, now they're back at their rightful home. Not only that, though, they're good. And here you are. you got the third-ranked team in the country hosting the 16th-ranked team in the country. Who would have thought Montana would be the underdog in this game? But here we are, and uh, it, it's a huge game for both teams' seasons. A huge prove-it game to affirm their place among the top three in the country for Idaho. What if Montana wins? All of a sudden, the scope of their season is completely different. They're all of a sudden a top eight or six team. They're going into their bye with all sorts of momentum. And uh, it, you know, then they're they in the driver's seat to, to maybe not only make a run at the playoffs, but to chase the Big Sky Conference Championship. So we're excited for that. Then after that, I'm going to Sacramento State, cover Montana State at Sac State. Then I'm going back to Moscow, the Cats at the Kibbe Dome. Then Sac State comes to Missoula, a night game at Washington Grizzly Stadium to start November. Then we're going to Bozeman to watch an upstart, but surprisingly good Eastern Washington team at Bobcat Stadium. And then, of course, the rivalry, one of the fiercest ones in all of college football. Bobcats at Grizz, Washington Grizzly Stadium in mid-November. I can't wait. This is the most excited I've been in a long time. Appreciate you all for following along and being here. In this episode, I learned this today because uh, my brother Brooks is always contributing here on the Big Sky Breakdown, co-founder of Skyline Sports. He is on an awesome trip all across Europe. He's been in Germany and Austria, and now he and then he went to uh England and now he's back in Belgium. It's all for work. He he does um uh, Beer and wine sales for George's Distributing out of Helena. And uh, a great experience for him. Super cool. But I know he's having a little bit of fear of missing out because he's missing all these big-time games. But no appearance from Brooks this week. He'll be back next week. But he told me something I didn't know today. They don't have salad dressing of any sort besides mayonnaise in Belgium. (laughs) Imagine putting mayonnaise on your salad. Sounds awful. They also don't have any sort of sauces. There's no ketchups or Tabascos or anything like that. You don't even realize how addicted we are to sauces in America. He said there's like this weird sort of Tabasco slash, I don't even know what type steak sauce thing, but that's it. So, pretty funny. I just thought I'd share some of the tidbits from his trip. In the meantime, though, we still got our other all-star lineup. Ty Gregorak, longtime Big Sky Conference coach and now the color commentator for all Bobcat football broadcasts on the MTN and uh, Scripps Network. He'll be on the call for Cal Poly at Montana State. We'll also talk extensively about the rest of the Big Sky as well as uh, Montana and Idaho. And then we'll hear from Andrew Houghton. We'll go around the Big Sky Conference as well with Andrew and to get his take on a variety of different storylines as well. The Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by the Hype House. Hype House is an awesome cycling studio, but they're also in- incredibly good at these uh, strength classes too. I love these classes. It's all functional fitness based. I know it's kind of intimidating, especially if you're a guy. You know, you're thinking, oh, mostly it's going to be females in there. It's true, but these girls are super great athletes and super inspiring, but also so friendly. I mean, there's there's no intimidation. You go in there, they're going to welcome you in, and, and uh, it's really cool competing with people and and alongside them. That's you, you drive yourself forward with it. And uh, so go check out the Hype House hypehousestudio.com. I Studio at dot com. Also got to say thanks to Hot House Yoga. As well, I've been getting back into the yoga now that I've been doing this personal training and physical therapy. Really just trying to get my body right. You know, getting older, getting married, having a kid. So we got all this life stuff coming up. So I'm just trying to get right so I can be in my best health possible for my family. Uh, But... Hot House Yoga, the Hype House, and Westside Private Gym. They've all helped me in my journey and my, uh, ch- achieving my goals. So I appreciate them for helping me, uh, once again, stay fit during football. Also got to th- say thanks to some of our headlining sponsors Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth, Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity, Blackfoot Communications, visit goblackfoot.com, as well as Town Pump. Town Pump keeping us fueled up all season. They'll be sending us to Moscow on Saturday. So appreciate Town Pump for all the wild by the mile back for yet another year. Here's Ty Gregorak. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm one of our main guys, he's back. He's been all over the country lately, but now he's, uh, he's back in his humble abode there in Bozeman, Montana, and ready to talk some Big Sky Conference football. Ty Gregorak joins us here now uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. And uh, Coach Ty, first of all, thanks for being here. We're into the second half of the season now, though. It's been sort of like this feeling out process. We had this massive game week two between two national championship contenders, I love that Montana State and South Dakota State played in week two because no matter who won or who lost, you still had, you know, nine games in front of you and you could still play your way into a top two seed. So it wasn't, you know, a detriment to either team. But then it's just kind of been feeling it out the last couple of weeks. And, and now we get a, a, a slate of games every weekend that's going to tell us something. So I mean, what do you think of just where we're at at the, at the midpoint of the season, both at, for Montana State, but also at just the rest of the big
1: sky? Well, I think that Montana State uh, is good. I think they're really good. I think I, I still just watching that game and just you know remembering being frustrated with all the you know the penalties and you know they 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 lost the game and I, I really felt like they should have won the game and it is what it is. I mean, you got the, the you know Brookings is number one right now, and is number two and um, you know if, if that played out the way it would uh, or if everything played out the way uh, it's been going and, and they both won the games. That's probably how they would finish. Um, I don't know. You're, you're right though. I mean, there has been a feeling out process and, uh, you know, just watching from afar a little bit. And I mean, that's a huge one in the Kibby dome this week uh, for both schools. I mean, you know, you, you and I talked last week about uh, is, is the Montana UC Davis game, a make or break. And we both kind of agreed that it was, and they went on the road and beat a ranked team. I mean, you know, what, what, if Montana goes to Idaho and wins? I mean, that's totally. the, 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 the landscape of their season is completely shifted now because I, th- I have a lot of respect and think Idaho's pretty dang good. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting, it, it's crazy to think, you know, like if you, if you and I go back to our early conversations, you know, late summer, early fall, I mean, Weber state's proven to not be very good. I mean, I, they're, they're just, they're not good. UC Davis, how good are they? Eastern Washington, but, you know, it's like, well, they're, they're looking good, then they lose their quarterback, they still play well but lose again. Are they good? Are they not good? <laughs> I don't know. I, to me, to me it's, it's, you know, Montana State, Idaho, Sac State, and then who else? You know, you and I have talked throughout the, the, the fall. Are they going to get five teams, six teams? God forbid could the Big Sky get seven teams in, in, in a national playoff? Now you sit there and you go, well, who deserves to go to the playoffs? You know, <laughs> right. is, it, is, is is it more like three or four this year? You know, so we'll see how it all shakes out. But, but no, I, uh, you know, I I I think, I think Montana State's just that much better than Cal Poly, and, and this game in 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 uh, in Bozeman on Saturday night should 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 be similar to what it was last year in San Luis Obispo, and 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 mostly I know say I know the. You know Sam Heward's doing some good things, and they're still trying to restructure that offense. When you spend two decades plus running triple option and then try to recruit to a whole new offense, that's really hard, man. But I, I but I think I, I think where the rubber hits the road is defense. They're they're just really not very good on defense, I don't think. I mean, and in the way Montana State runs the ball and just tries to out physical you and pound you and grind you down, I, I, I just. I don't know if Cal Poly's defense can hold up, but yeah, I, that one in that one in Moscow is just so beyond intriguing, and, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to watch much of it, but I'm obviously uh, really excited to see the outcome, my friend.
0: Well, we'll we'll certainly get back to uh, these specific matchups with the Montana schools, but the, the league in general. This is what makes college football awesome, because I think that most of us that analyze this stuff coming into the year, we thought, okay. I think we we thought there's five teams that are for sure like going to be playoff teams and then maybe UC Davis is right there on that fringe tier and maybe Eastern Washington and then everybody else they got no chance. That's not true at all. Portland State and Northern Arizona this week, it's like a playoff yeah. game, right? And 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 Weber might not be very good. They might be like the ninth or 10th best team in the league this year. Idaho State, I mean, they're they're sitting there at 1 and 5 right now, but I was impressed with them in Missoula. I will not be surprised if they win a couple games because I think Cody Hawkins is doing a good job. This is just why college football is awesome. We thought we knew everything and we don't know anything.
1: Yeah, no, and you're right. And, and, and I didn't mean to leave some of those schools that you just named out of the conversation because NAU, I mean, God, I just think if the Martine, Martinez kids were still there, you know, how much better of an outfit would they be maybe? And they're, and they're doing some good things. They're, you know, they beat Montana. They're, they're playing better. Portland State. I mean, Portland State scrapped for 35, 38 minutes against one of the best teams in the country here in Bozeman, Idaho State. Like you said, I haven't got to really evaluate and watch that quarterback, but I know you sung praises about the young man, you know, and and, and the job that Cody Hawkins is doing. And and you know, he he, he for for a younger-ish type guy and a and, and a newbie-ish head coach, he kind of he kind of acts and and walks like a like an old Wiley head ball coach in this league, you know? So yeah, you you know, I think, I think we, I think we kind of knew who would be the cream of the crop and, and, and and who would be those friends, just like you said. And I think it's, I think it's fun and and why the big sky is always so fun that there's, there's those other schools. Hey man, you and I can go back to when, when uh, Montana was on that phenomenal run where we, you know, we lost one conference game in our last four years with coach Houck and, you know, we were in, what, three out of five national championships. We still had those games where it's like, oh, boy, you know, it's going to take 59 minutes to beat Idaho State. And, you know, I mean, we, that's that's what's fun about the league. That's what's fun about college football, just like you said.
0: And, you know, there's the, the games that I'm looking at this week outside of the Montana schools, it's that Portland State at Northern Arizona game because both those teams sort of mysterious starts because Portland State had to play up and up and then, you know, play this, Directional made up school <laughs> and you know then they finally get into conference play but then they got to play in Bozeman in the second week of conference play so but I do think Portland State's pretty good and then Nau they start zero and three but now here they are they're two and one and only one point away from being three and zero they already played Montana and Sac State and Weber so they played three of the teams that we thought were going to be uh, some of the best teams in the league so maybe Nau can can turn it on and, and make a run I don't know but I just think that the arc of the season is going to be so interesting too because let's say Portland State wins. Well then they get Idaho State and Northern Colorado and Eastern. And so they could be four and two or even five and one going into that Montana game when Montana has to come out there. But then like you said, what if the Grizzlies win? It completely changes the scope of their season. It completely changes the national conversation. So uh, I, I think that this week is the first of several weeks in a row where we're gonna really find out a lot about a lot of these teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely and, and you know just talking about the big one you just mentioned Montana. I mean let's say they can go there and win. You know, then they then they have Northern Colorado at home, Sac State, who's, who's an excellent football team at home. I mean, you know, and and then and and then they got to go to Hillsborough against Portland State. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's fascinating when you look, when you start looking at some of the schedules, just the remaining because Montana State, who you know who I started this the program saying they're really good, but. You know, you got Cal Poly, but then Ax at Sac State, at Idaho. How about that for a two game stretch? Man. you know, then you know, North Northern Arizona, Eastern Washington at home, and then the big, the big, the big one in Missoula. You know, but yeah, I mean that's a, that two game stretch starting next week, and 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 they can't look past Cal Poly. I get that. I mean, it's a big game, it's a six o'clock game, a night game, and um, whew, yeah, it's. I mean, I know they say the the, the games you remember played in November, but. Man, these these games in October are, are crucial, just in terms of the the conference race, and then obviously, you know, you know. Like, I mean, it was so it was so cool a week. Well, this is I mean, two weeks ago, talking to Coach Barnum and Coach Barnum and I go way back. I mean, 20, 20 years being assistants and you know running the assistant coaches golf tournaments and having fun as assistant coaches. You know, you, you know what he he said multiple times in our conversation postseason play you know he wants to be he wants to be a postseason contender you know and and, i mean that's 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 what's been so fun about you know the old one double a and fcs uh, football for so long is that's that's all we know is 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 doing the right things in the regular season to get to postseason play and just having a chance haven't having you know resetting and new season and, you know, if you're good enough and you coach well enough and play well enough and the stars align and you can be just healthy enough, you can make a run. You know, and he was kind of alluding to he thinks he's going to be really good next year. But you can see, like he, he, he mentioned, and I, I said it on the broadcast, He's like I, I really am starting to like this team. I'm starting the way we, we I like the way we look, you know, and I know C- C- Coach Ball. I mean, you've said it. I mean, I listen to your stuff. I mean, he's kind of you would think you would think he's kind of fighting for his job. Well, they're fighting. Coulter. I mean, they're fighting, man. They're, Absolutely. I mean, they are. They're fighting, and, and that's cool to see. And I like Coach Barr. He's a good coach. and He's been around the block. He's a defensive guy. So, yeah, man, it's, it is really cool and fascinating to see how this, you know, who separates and who doesn't, who kind of stays in the middle of the pack, who's still fighting as we, as we get through these games in October.
0: He's for uh, later on this week. We'll also hear from Aaron Flugrad, who's the offensive of coordinator at NAU, and he's certainly been a key factor. And I found it funny to think about Ty uh, during uh, you know our, our sort of shared time in the Big Sky over the last couple decades. NAU actually has had. More spectacular quarterback, freshman quarterbacks than anybody. They had Jason Marietta back in the early 2000s when you were first coaching in the league. Then they had Case Cookis, who was the National Freshman of the Year and is still playing in the USFL. Then they had R.J. Martinez, and he's now at Baylor. And now they got this Adam DeMonte kid who's absolutely giving them a fighting chance. So uh, pretty interesting. I mean, I think it shows you, though, you can get talented quarterbacks in the big sky that are ready to play right away. And actually, NAU's probably done that as well as anybody.
1: No doubt. I mean, I, I I don't I don't think you and I could either or either of us could ever question whether any used you know been talented throughout the year. for years. sure. I mean they 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 are. I mean they've always kind of that's been their mo. I can't remember, and, and you're way better at this stuff than me. But I mean, even remember those early 2000s. I mean they had some receivers that were, you know the early to mid 2000s they had some receivers that were just like big, good-looking, fast dudes. And I mean you got an unbelievable recruiting base, a couple few hours away. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, I, if, as a defensive dude, I've seen a lot. I've seen way too many good quarterbacks in this league over the years. I mean, Eastern Washington. We can just. not I don't know. I don't. You know, we can't even do it on one hand. They've had so many good players. Totally. Uh, no. I. Any. You. And I know you and I kind of align in, in, in the way we feel about this. If they can. If Coach Ball can do it, and, and you know he's got the good staff, and you, you mentioned Aaron Flugrat. Who, who I've got a ton of respect for, obviously, and his father and his family, and um, man, if they could, if they could, if they could somehow, get, you know, put together, and, and here's what it takes, Colter, it's just a belief, you know, like hey, let's get to, let's let's have a winning season, let's get to, let's get to seven wins, maybe eight wins, somehow, some way. Next thing you know, when you go into Phoenix and in that area, you're recruiting and you're saying, hey, this is what we did this year wait till you see what we can do next year with guys like you, when you're telling recruits that. And and that's all it takes is, and even on the own, on your own team, because it's hard to get over the hump, you know, when you've been not good or just okay, average and, and maybe even a little above average, it's hard to get over that hump. And you know, that that's what we had at Montana for so long was that belief. Like we never thought we were going to lose. And whether you call that arrogance or not, that's how we were programmed and, and trained and coached and played and that's what we believe we did not think we were going to lose I mean yeah we we played against the University of Oregon and Iowa and we had some some big time games that we you know wanted to go compete and we always want to win but you know I, I think those guys are doing a good job I mean you you uh, I watched it I was in Ogden but I was watching that game uh, uh, NAU against the Grizz uh, well, shoot, what is it a month ago now probably totally. or almost a month but you're just sitting there going, good night. This, I mean, who, who are we watching right now? This, doesn't, this isn't, wow. You know. And he puts together a couple, few more of those. Next thing you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in the race a little bit. You know, and, and that's all you want to be you as you get into at the end of October, early November. There's a lot of things that make Montana great. From the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.
0: And also, a big shout out to my guy, Kevin, over at Westside Private Gym. Kevin has a doctorate in physical therapy, and he is an excellent trainer and physical therapist. The easiest way to explain what my uh, new endeavor with him is we're trying to break down all the concrete. And As you get older, you you got a whole bunch of inflexibilities, immobilities, your body is formed a certain way from all the ways you've been favoring your various bumps and bruises and injuries. And you know, you can you can make it through. But are you actually living your best life? Are you actually as mobile and flexible and malleable as you can be? And uh, you know, I've had some knee injuries, some shoulder injuries. And so I you know, I work out a lot. But you know, a lot of times maybe you're training in the wrong way or, or your muscles just aren't firing in a proper fashion. So of <laughs> We're breaking down the concrete and building it back up. The first couple of weeks of these workouts have been pretty much just physical therapy-based, tearing down some fascia, you know, loosening up the muscles, really working on the mobility, working on being mindful with the breathing and the muscle engagement, trying to make the muscles proportionally fire. That's such a key thing, and, and Kevin does such a great job of explaining that. So really appreciate him. Can't wait for the journey to continue, and uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on over there. But uh, fit during football back for another year, and uh, couldn't do it without the Hype House, or especially... Kevin over there at Westside Private Gym. Ty Greg here on the Big Sky Breakdown. He'll be on the color commentary, of course. Well, let's talk about the game then that you'll be on the call for in Bozeman. Uh, home and away games cover the Big Sky Conference as a whole for MTN as well as Scripps. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Cal Poly and sort of their... So this is interesting because it is, you know, the whole narrative is they ran the triple option for decades at a time, and, and they got to revamp that whole thing, and, and that's fine, and I believe all that at all. Uh, and But the other part is that... Cal Paul used to have absolute dudes defensively. I mean, if you were to make a, you know, all decade team of the 2010s, you'd have to consider Nick Dezubnar and Cameron Anko as two of your linebackers. They're at least candidates for it. I mean, DeZubnar's still playing in the NFL. And Cameron Anko played, I think, eight seasons in the CFL. I mean, he's an awesome player as well. And they had, you know, they had a spattering of other guys as well. But I asked Coach Wolf that, Paul Wolf, specifically. I said, hey, you know, uh, there's so much narrative around the offense. What's up with the defense? And he said, you know what? He said, we used to have this crazy defensive culture of toughness because we had to go against the triple option every day. And, you know, he's saying they because, you know, it's, it was before his time there. But I thought that was an interesting point. I had never thought of that. And so I think that, you know, it, it, no matter how hard your rebuild is, almost never do you have to do a wholesale change on both sides of the ball. But I think they definitely have. And I think that's why it's taken them a little while.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's a fair assessment. And you and you didn't mention guys like the Shotwells, Chris Go Kong. I mean, I mean they, you, yes, Jordan Beck, I mean, they, they had three straight they, Buck had, Buchanan
0: Award yeah. winners. Crazy.
1: Yeah, and, and but you know, I mean, just talking offense. You did, you know, I was at that game last year and got a pretty good understanding of this team. You don't see a Ramsey's Barden on offense either. I mean, you you know, Sam no. Heward's going to be a big big good looking guy. I mean. I, his uh his dad and uncles and i mean that 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 that's that's washington royalty if you want the truth but yes to your point i mean that's the lifeblood of a, of a program man you know that i mean you got to recruit and there's only so many i know i mean the academic standards and blah blah i mean okay how many you can use that as an excuse where you can really use that as a positive and, and go get some dudes. And I think to your point though, if you, if you look on the field, there's just not, you know, where you're like, Whoa, and, and Whoa. I mean, there, Oh, there's another guy. I mean, they, they just don't have a, they're never going to have a roster full of them, but they don't have enough of them right now that, 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 can, you know, can, can win you a bunch of ball games and, I don't know. I mean, I've always liked Coach Wolf. I mean, I've known him for a long time too. I mean, his 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 head coaching career has been an interesting one, if you really evaluate for it. For sure. Uh, you know, um, but you know, he, he's he's a a lifer minus, minus a few uh, in the Big Sky and a little Big Sky guy, and the root for him. And, and I know a lot of the guys on that staff actually, and and so I right, I want him to do well. I, I think that I think it was a great point by you, though and And I get where he's saying about just the toughness factor, but I, the program itself it's just it's not the same as it as it once was, and they they've really struggled to get it back and that you know honestly, I thought they they had an unbelievable hire in Bo Baldwin, yeah, I think you know how how strong I feel about that guy just as a guy and a coach, and I understand why he left, but I really thought a guy like him could have changed that in terms of the in terms of uh recruiting and and working with working with the uh the university in terms of getting different recruits in into the program and um i was sad to see him go totally get why he went but i don't know i'm rooting for those guys i hope they i hope they can turn it man well one thing that's yeah i was gonna say but you're right it's got to start with recruiting yeah it's got to start with recruiting yeah
0: well that's what i mean one dynamic you and I have talked about, and we've talked about it extensively when it comes to Colorado, your alma mater, as well as, you know, places like Arizona State, it's the old Mike Kramer theory. If life's too good, you know, if if, if the party's the same, whether the football team wins or loses, it's harder to have an edge, right? Like if the Grizz lose in Missoula or the Bobcats lose in Bozeman, the party's not the same. People are mad. <laughs> you know, It's not the same deal. Whereas at Arizona State, you go find yourself a nice, fun party with a bunch of pretty girls, it, 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 no matter what happens. You win, you lose, you draw, nobody cares. It's all good. You're going to party either way. I'm not saying Cal Poly is a party school, but life's pretty good in, in uh, San Luis Obispo. But I just think it's very interesting that despite being in this picturesque paradise place, they had this team that was tough as hell. And part of that's because – Rich Ellerson's tough as hell, and then he goes on to the Army. Tim Walsh, I mean, he's one of the toughest coaches in Big Sky history. Sometimes to a flaw, because he was so prioritizing on toughness. But I mean, I thought Tim Walsh was a great coach during his height, and then I think they kind of just got stuck in a rut uh, with you know being addicted to the system that they were running. But either way, I just I think it's going to be fascinating because you not only have to change the personnel, you got to only have to change the talent, but you also, I mean. Do you want your team to be this high flying Beach Boys team where you know everybody's just going to wine country and going and playing in the sand afterwards? I don't know. It's it's interesting because they have like the opposite attitude and edge from where the place that they live at was for years and years and years. Now we're trying to run the spread. It's going to be more like a cohesive relationship. The place and the people are going to have to fit. That's great. I just don't know how you do that from a football perspective. It's just I don't know. It's a fascinating socio sociological dynamic.
1: Yeah, it is. And and you're right. I mean, like, and I, I think the big sky is just littered with, you know, beautiful, amazing places. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there doing the game in Ogden and just, you know, looking out. I'm like, God, this is gorgeous. Totally. I mean, it is. You know, people come, people come to Bozeman, you know, you're talking about San Luis Obispo. It's funny. You'd mentioned Arizona state because, you know, Candace, uh, who runs the, the club volleyball program over here, she's got some of her girls that are getting national attention and, um, one of them is getting looked at by Arizona state. We were talking uh, a couple weeks ago. It's like, and I told her, I said, honey, Arizona state has always kind of been known as this like sleeping giant. Well, how long can you be known as a sleeping giant before you're a giant? You know what I mean? Like it's it, like, go to that campus. It's, it's dumb. It's so gorgeous. And there's gorgeous people everywhere. Uh, you know, San Luis Obispo is incredible. I mean, God, I was there last year. And you know, I, as, as a coach, I never really like you know we're we're dialed into meetings and working with your guys and and you know I got to go as a broadcaster so I went I went out and had dinner and and uh, got to see some of the sites and I'm like this is a cool place it's a really cool place and so yeah it just it just it's just gonna take take the right guy uh, to get things changed and I hope that Coach Wolf can do it I mean you know look at look at Idaho. Idaho, it's not like Idaho just made the decision to jump back into the big sky last year. They, they've been they've been in the transition and making this move now for years. All it took was the right guy to get it going again, and, and Coach Eck done done a great job doing it, man.
0: Well, it, fascinating. We'll get to the Montana-Idaho game in just a minute, but one last thought on the uh, Montana State Cal Poly game, only because you know, I talked to Coach Wolf, and, and I do appreciate his um, – just how earnest and honest and realistic he is. You know, I, I said, you know, how are you guys going to get this thing done on Saturday? And he's like, well, I don't really know because I think that Montana State's the best team in the country and I don't really know how you go about stopping them. He's like, nobody can stop them. And so how are we going to stop them? But, you know, he said, we're going to play hard and I, this is a, how you want to get tested. You want to have your medal tested. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I guess the good news for Cal Poly is they're not going to play anybody else that runs the ball like Montana State the rest of the year. So um, certainly maybe a, a, a place to make strides, but... I mean, I guess to me, Ty, the the two-game stretch last year for Cal Poly when they came to Missoula and had to play in the snowstorm and they lost 57 nothing, and then the next week the Bobcats come down there and, and Montana State had they didn't have a running back on the roster. I mean, they're playing their backup slot receiver at running back, and this guy still rushes for 250 yards and four touchdowns and was the national player of the week. Marquis Johnson was. And, you know, it's a combination of talent disparity. The Cats are really hard to stop. But also, you just got to have more pride than that. You, you just can't give up 72 points. You just can't. So, I don't know. I guess there's a place for, for Cal Poly to make strides on Saturday. But, I mean, I, I you know, some, some want to say, okay, maybe this is a trap game for the Cats with, the, you know, SAC and Idaho road games looming. I don't think so. But it's going to be an interesting game on Saturday because I, I do think the Cats are going to want to swiftly take care of business Get as many guys out of the game and into the game as they possibly can, and I, I just know Coach Vegan. He doesn't. Wa- he was mad last year. He didn't want to score seventy two points, but like, if they can't stop you, what else do you do? Uh,
1: yes, <laughs> he didn't want to. I mean, they're, they're running. They're running. They're simple. They're inside, outside, down a mark. He goes for seventy yards. Right. I mean, it was fifty. They scored fifty at half. Right. So, uh, with, with a with a wide receiver who really doesn't play much in the offense. You know, so, um, yeah. You know, where you know, you know, what's interesting to me is okay. Uh, you know, what's what's Tommy's Tommy status this week, right? I mean, he he's been out. He's been listed now on the depth chart. You know, it it it, it, it very specifically in bold says or, you know, Tommy a or Sean Chambers, you know, uh, Ty McCullough who got who got his first reps of the season. He's got some juice, man. I mean, how to see wow, how does he develop over the, the, you know, the last 12, 13 days, uh, you know, getting freshened up again, offensive line who hasn't been fully healthy. You know, that like, to me, I'm just sitting here going, these guys have been playing at a pretty high clip without all their dudes still. And and so I don't know. I just, you know, the, the linebacker situation, you know, I kind of went off on it last week. I would imagine Danny, you and Nolan Askelson really want to go play football this week, you know, and, 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 and for how long that is, who knows, but yeah, I just think they've had, they've had two weeks to freshen up and um, they're good. They know they're good. They, 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 this place really has a quiet confidence about them. I don't, I, I, I don't, I just think if you get, get ugly in a hurry and, and you could see, you, you you should probably be seeing a lot of backups in, in the second half, like you've seen throughout the course of this fall in the cat game, man. So we'll see.
0: All right. Well, let's talk quickly about then the battle for the little Brown Stein. It's funny. I've heard a couple of people uh, that are doing podcasts or radio or whatever, say the little Brown stein. No, it's a Stein. It's a, it's a mug. Yeah. It's what you drink the, the beer out of it, <laughs> but it's the, you know, it's the second old rivalry in the big sky conference. So there's a lot of stuff behind this, but this is the, I would argue most important and also uh, most significant battle for the little Brownstein in 30 years. I mean, it's been since Idaho, the last time Idaho was truly good in the big sky was in 1993. What does that coincide with? Well, Idaho won their last big sky championship that year, They shared it with Montana. That was Montana's first Big Sky Championship since 1982 and only the third one, I think, they'd ever won. Well, guess what? The Grizz won the Big Sky Championship every single freaking year after that, and Idaho left the Big Sky. And the stories that were painted from that, I mean, the rise of Montana, the dominance of the Grizz, and then just Idaho being caught in purgatory. They're just wandering around in no man's land in the FBS for a quarter century. Well, now they're not only back where they belong, but they also... Are actually good. But they gotta prove it now. They got all this hype behind them. They got an FBS win. They beat Sac State. They've done all of it. But now they gotta beat their oldest rival and uh, you know, arguably the most storied program in the Big Sky since they left the big sky. And on the grizz side of things, how about this? Bobby Houck is going into one of the biggest games of his second tenure at Montana as an underdog. That's completely uncharted territory for Bobby Houck. I don't know if he knew how to deal with that early on. I think he's loving it right now. I think his team is loving it, too. And I thought they turned a major corner last week against UC Davis. So, uh, I mean, this is is what it's all about, man. This is as good as it gets in terms of storylines, narratives, history, rivalry, all of it. This is going to be super sweet on Saturday night.
1: It is an incredible narrative to think that Bobby Hauk's going in as an and I don't know. I'm just asking, but were, were they underdogs last week too against UC Davis? Yeah. So or this is fascinating. I don't they, know.
0: They opened up as two and a half point dogs last week. And then this is where sports books get manipulated, especially when you're talking about a sports book in Montana, that's run by the state. Cause you're going to have so mm-hmm. many Montanans betting on that book. This tells you the sort of hysteria and mania that goes along with Grizz Nation the the Grizz fans were, were outside of their minds about how disappointed they were that the Grizz only won by eight points at Idaho State, against Idaho State after losing to NAU. So the line actually moved all the way up to eight and a half in favor of UC Davis because everybody was pouring money on the Grizz to lose, which is fascinating, and then they go and they win. So, I don't know, that's just an insight that where sports gambling reflected in the mania of a fan base. But uh, yeah, either way, they were dogs yeah. last week as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, it it is uncharted territory for Bobby Houck and, and, and the Bobby Hauk led Grizz football team. Um, speaking of, we well, only because I just saw this. How about UNLV's five and zero, Coulter? Okay, wow. and then we'll stop there. <laughs> I'm just saying UNLV's five and zero. But yeah, no, uh, I, I I gotta believe Bobby is kind of liking this, and and you know he, Bobby already walks around with a chip on his shoulder about you know who knows what. I mean, he can make up his own. You know, whichever chip that week he wants to walk around with, but you know, it, it, it is a big game, man. It's a top fifty. I mean, it, whatever you want to call Montana, sixteen or ten, depending on the poll, and and Idaho's legitimately number three in the country. And you know, like we said at the start of the the, the show, man. I mean, this is a season game, a season changing game for Montana. You know, and it is a big game. And I've got to coach in one of these twenty years ago. You remember that one? That one was an awesome game. Yep. Uh, our boy, our boy Kyle Sampson. Yeah, brought out a little. We brought out some good stuff for the Vandals that day, but wow, yeah, it's. I, I know, I know Montana is going to represent. I mean, there's going to be a lot of maroon and silver in that in the kibby. Uh, huge game. It's a huge game on on a on a national level and, and and obviously a Big Sky level. So I think that and you you follow it so much closer than me, but like maybe they're kind of. Finding an identity on, on offense, Montana-wise, and for, for sure, kind of who they, yeah, I mean who they're going with the quarterback and what they want to do offensively and what they can do, and and uh, you know defensively, just you know probably playing a little sharper and not giving up dumb trick plays and, and explosive plays, broken coverages, and I don't know, it it, it it's, a, it's going to be a good one, and, and Idaho's good. I mean they are good. They're very good. Yeah. They are <laughs> they they are good. So and they've got some really good players. Um, I'm excited. I, I mean, I'm going to be sprinting home from Bobcat Stadium to to hopefully catch the second half. I think I probably. I mean, I remember I remember Montana played Sac State last year. I mean, I went to bed. I mean, I, I told Candace, like, tell me what the scores in the morning because it, it was like midnight or later. Uh, but no, I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be a great game. I, I hope I hope it's a, I hope it's a really good game. I really do. Um, but yeah, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna predict anything. I'm just fired up to get home and, and watch a hopefully a great second half of Big Sky football, no doubt.
0: It's gonna be awesome just in terms of what it means for both squads. I mean, if Idaho wins then they go into their bye with so much momentum and then they got the cats coming to town so they can have another prove it game and and then there'll just be so much buzz around the program and for the Grizz, you know, they go on the road and win that one and then they go into their bye and then they get you know, then they get to have Another one against Northern Colorado, and then all of a sudden, holy cow, you're probably a top eight team, and you got Sac State coming down to start November. So, huge, huge ramifications both sides for uh, both these teams in the battle for Little Brownstein. Ice uh, Ty Greg you can find his beautiful face on the television. MTN broadcasts and scripts uh, all across the Big Sky Conference, also streaming on ESPN Plus as well for Montana State's game against Cal Poly at 6 p.m. And you can also always find him here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. Coach Ty, appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks so much for doing it.
1: Thank you, Colter. You, you and your crew do such a great job of representing our these two schools in the state. But the but the conference as a whole, and, and enjoy that trip over there. It sounds like you've got a lot of other fun things planned, other than the game, which you deserve and, and go enjoy. And yeah, I, I look forward to talking to you next week, man. Appreciate it.
3: Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old school journalism with a new age presentation at SkylinesportsMT.com. The Nuanas Brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives big sky conference athletics every day. For eight dollars a month or 90 bucks a year. Get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at skylinesportsmt.com. Skyline Sports every
0: day, every season. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. Andrew Houghton joining us here now on the Big Sky Breakdown. And now we are into the meat of it. Pretty cool. Uh, It's been an interesting deal because we had this, this peak, this high valley mark week two when we got to see two of the best teams in the Big Sky Conference. Two of the best teams, excuse me, in the FCS going at it with Montana State playing at South Dakota State. And then after that, it's been you know, sort of the lead up of how do you, are you playing against the games in the games you're supposed to win leading up to these primary primetime matchups. Well, last week we had one in Davis, California. The Grizz won it over UC Davis, which then makes the game in Moscow much bigger. The Cats have a game against Cal Poly that just sort of sets the stage for then when it's Judgment Day for them. Then they got to go to Sac State, to Idaho. Our slate coming up is going to be in Moscow for an ESPN 2 game. Then I'm in Sacramento for an ESPN 2 game. Then uh, we're back here, and the Grizz are hosting Northern Colorado, but I'll also be going back to Moscow for the Cats at the Kibbe Dome. Then Sac State comes to Missoula for a night game. Uh, And then the Grizz at Portland State, which could be a big game, and Eastern Washington at the Cats. And then, boom, we got the rivalry. So each Saturday, we are going to have boots on the ground at each and every one of the Big Sky Conference's premier games. And those are going to be among, if not the, Games of the week that week, uh, all the way around the football championship subdivision. So, so
3: uh, should be fun. What have you? First of all, what have you thought of the first half of the season so far? Here, well, I think it's been a lot more uh, interesting than we thought it might have been. I think it's been a lot more. I mean, how about unpredictable? Us? How about us? We were we were both on the record screaming and yelling for
0: hours at a time about how well. There's no way anybody from the big sky is going to be nationally relevant except for these six teams. Well, we that are was
3: very on the record <laughs> of saying we know exactly who's going to be
0: good this season. And it uh, turns out Weaver State's probably not good. Uh, Eastern NAU, Washington and A- NAU. NAU and Eastern Washington are way better than we thought. Portland State, that was the one team we were like, eh, they could be like the top of the non playoffs. But they go win an NAU this week and maybe. They're also in the playoff mix, especially given their schedule with Idaho State, Northern Colorado still coming up as well. The chance to play the Grizz. So uh, there's certainly uh, different contenders in the big sky than maybe we anticipated.
3: Yep. I think the only thing we got just about right is that the Grizz were going to be inconsistent, infuriating at times, Yeah, uh, we, other, figuring some stuff out. The
0: other thing we got right was that Montana State's the best team and that Idaho is also among those top teams.
3: Not a hard call on Montana State, but (laughs) I I will take a little bit of credit for the the Idaho thing. I think they've been um, really, really good.
0: They have. They've been excellent, and that's why they're the number three team in the country. But they also have a lot to prove still, and that starts with uh, the Grizz. So um, let's just go around the uh, the Big Sky Conference uh, here. First of all, uh, we'll just start with how this is listed on the league schedule. Northern Colorado, Sacramento State. It's funny because it's like you get tune-ups and then prime times. Tune-ups, prime times. Sac State gets UNC this week, but then, boom, they get Judgment Day with the Cats coming to town and then having to come in Missoula. So, I mean, what do you you think of this one? I mean, Northern Colorado is the last team in the league without a win, period, and uh, one of a couple winless teams in terms of conference play.
3: Not much to say about Northern Colorado. I just uh, trying to remind myself to, to pay a little bit of attention to Sac State because the Cats in Idaho have sucked up so much of the oxygen at the top of the league, and then we've been concerned with, you know, the free fall of Weber, the, the ups and downs of the Grizz, right? Sac State's just kind of been consistent. They're doing their thing. I saw them in Moscow a couple weeks ago. That's a good team. I It's a team that I think has the potential to make a deep playoff run, if not be a a true championship contender. And I don't think they're quite at that level. But I think that is clearly the third best team in the league. Uh, And so want to be watching that squad. Uh, Just want to be keeping up with them from week to week. I think they're going to win this one, obviously, by a lot. Just want to remind people, hey, good team in Sacramento. And of course, if you want to do any scouting for that Montana State game, uh, tune in this week. It's sort
0: of weird because... Andy Thompson's career there at Sac State as the head coach got off to a resounding start, 3-0, and including a win over Stanford, beating your old boss in Troy Taylor. But then they went 0-1 to start Big Sky Conference play. Granted, they lost in the Kibbe Dome to another top-10 team, but Sac State hasn't been 0-1 for years for because years. Sac State has only lost one conference game in three years leading into this year. And then you know, the following week, they only beat Northern Arizona by one. That doesn't look as skeptical now that uh, NAU just beat the pants off of Weaver last week. Uh, But it's interesting. I guess what I'm getting at is, like, Sac State is the fourth-ranked team in the country, yet they're still somehow, like, underrated. But then the people that watch them don't think that at all. It's just a very mysterious sort of aura around Sac State
3: just because of the way that the schedule has worked out. And nothing that I saw from them in the game, the game that I've watched the most from them is the game that they lost. Right. But nothing from that game has me thinking, you know, this team should not be ranked number four in the country. I thought Caden Bennett was explosive, but also very controlled and mature in the pocket. I think they've got a ton of playmakers. I think the offense just in general looks really good and really smooth. And that was sort of the concern with Andy Thompson, a defensive coach, taking over for Troy Taylor, an offensive coach, although most of the offensive assistance remained in place at Sac State. That was kind of what I was watching are they going to look quite as as smooth and as dangerous on offense? Because with the, the Troy Taylor teams, with the dual quarterbacks, they're just marching the ball down the field on you. They've always got something in their back pocket. They look the exact same against Idaho. They just, Idaho got the ball at the end of that game, and they won it by a possession.
0: One thing we always try to monitor is, okay, we know these, these there's these several teams that are kind of struggling, but when, if and when is one of them going to just rise up and just win the one or two games that they might win this year? I think Idaho State's in that category. Like Idaho State's probably fast-tracking towards a 2-6 and six conference record, but that's two wins that they'll probably not be expected to get that they might be able to get. I think that Jordan Cook's a good quarterback, and I think that they have some improved talent, and I think they have a good coach. I think Cody Hawkins is doing a good job. I don't really see a scenario in which Northern Colorado rises up and and. Beat somebody. And I think the Correct. same the same thing with Cal Poly. Correct. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. It's tough. That's a tough look for them, you know. So we'll, we'll see. But moving on. Uh, Portland State at NAU. Portland State has Idaho State and um, Cal Poly. Or the, excuse, excuse me. Portland State has already beaten Cal Poly. They also have Idaho State and Northern Colorado coming up after this game. We were talking a couple weeks ago about how they could be absolutely looking at a 4-1 and one start. It's not as easy now though, because NAU's playing pretty darn good ever since they switched quarterbacks, both Adam DeMonte, and uh, they've been uh, much improved after their zero and three start.
3: Well, NAU's looking to get to three and one in conference themselves this week, right. right? And they, I mean, just because of the way they started, their backs are against the wall this entire conference season. I mean, how
0: funny is it going to be when any NA, if NAU wins this game and they're three and one, they're probably going to be in the top twenty-five with a three and four record. Are they?
3: They got votes I think this a lot of They got votes. I think a lot of people are going to look at the 3-4 and four record and not do any research beyond that. Yeah, we well, can here, talk about the polls later sure. on. Sure.
0: If Montana beats Idaho, NAU will be in the top 25 if they beat Portland State. Sure. Okay. A- anyways, but regardless, NAU is, uh, they are in playoff mode right now, if that's even part of the conversation. But they certainly are backs against the wall. You're right.
3: Well, and they have, they have the two wins on the resume over teams that I think we thought were going to be at least decent. I don't know where Weber State is sitting right now, but that Grizzwin is looking better and better each week for Northern Arizona as well. And like you said, freshman quarterback, you have to expect him to take a step forward from week to week. I think particularly they've got a good coaching staff there. The kid's shown potential. Clearly, uh, you know, you say this all the time. What matters with quarterbacks is that everybody else thinks he's the guy. Yeah, right, right. And I think that's clearly the case for Adam DeMonte at Northern Arizona. So I'm just, I'm I'm sort of excited to see the steps forward that he takes every week. But I think there is going to be a step forward from him every week. Uh,
0: tomorrow's Big Sam Breakdown, uh, Aaron Flugrad, the offensive coordinator at Northern Arizona, uh, jumps on. And he tells us about sort of the story of Adam DeMonte. I knew Adam DeMonte had a decorated high school career. I was unaware, though, that he played for Zach Hill at his high school, for those that have followed the Big Sky, Zach Hill was the offensive coordinator at Eastern Washington under Bo Baldwin, and then went to Boise State and was great at Boise State, and then went to Arizona State and was great at Arizona State, and then got completely railroaded when that whole coaching st- staff fell apart, and he had to sort of reclaimate his career in the high school ranks. But I mean, this guy Tabata was learning from a Pac-12 OC when he was in high school, so it's not that surprising that he's. Pretty advanced, and so uh, I didn't know that time. But Aaron tells the story a little better than I do. Uh, all right, uh, Eastern Washington at Idaho State. It's interesting, right? Because Eastern's definitely better than we thought, and Eastern's good. And Idaho State's still a team that's kind of rebuilding, but they are the one team that's sort of in that bottom tier. That uh, you know, they won a home game or two. You never know. And, and the the health of Kakoa of where, where where is he at? The Taylor kid that played against Idaho is good for Eastern. I don't know. It's an interesting game. I, I do think that. Eastern certainly is and should be the favorite, but it's gotta be an upset watch if you're if you're uh, EWU.
3: Well, it just feels like kind of a, an old school Eastern Washington Idaho State game from a couple years ago. I mean, I I remember the game in the spring season in Holt Arena where where Idaho State was was throwing it around just fine, but Tyler Vanderwall threw a couple interceptions and they just couldn't stop Eastern Washington. I think Eastern Washington scored on eight out of ten possessions or something and, and won it pretty handily. And that's what it feels like to me. I mean, it feels like we're going to see some encouraging stuff from Idaho State in this game. I think they're going to score 28, 35 points. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to stop Eastern Washington from getting to 50, though. Yeah. Yeah. Idaho State, still the worst defense in the league. Unless they're playing
0: Montana and holding them to 3.2 yards per carry.
3: Unbelievable. (laughs) Other than that, they are giving up over 40 points per game. Eastern Washington always has a license to throw it around in that dome. Yep. It's true. Uh, I, I would hit the over on this one. That's just what it feels like to oh, me. Yeah. I'm not as worried about Eastern Washington coming out on top at the end of this game, maybe, as you are.
0: Well, uh, you know, I'm not that worried about it either. I also just think that, you know, if and when Eastern can juice up the, the points and the stats, they will. I mean, Aaron Best is not scared to score 60 and 70 points on people. If they got it rolling, they will absolutely let it rip and they will score from the first quarter through the fourth quarter and they will pile up the numbers.
3: Absolutely right. Uh, I, not Again, we're not sure if Kakoa Vispress is going to play, but he's been really good this season. The Taylor
0: kid, though, that they brought in from the J.C. ranks as their number two, he was good against Idaho. I mean, he rushed for like 140 yards. Yeah. He's definitely, I mean, I give Easter Wash a lot of credit. We were pretty hard on him last year saying, hey, how'd you guys go from this wicked team that pushed the Grizz to the brink in Missoula in the playoffs and had this record-setting quarterback, and you got to jones who's going to the NFL, and all these great weapons, and they just fall off like that last year. Well, they deserve a ton of credit because they, they fixed the number one issue that they had, which was so obvious. You just have to have an elite quarterback in that system. And now they have two really good ones. I'm not ready to call either, either of them elite, but both of them are better than, than what they had uh, a year ago. And, I, you know, that it's amazing. <laughs> Some people around the league could learn from this. Having a great quarterback in uh, certainly uh, even the playing field in a lot of other
3: areas. Yeah, and, and the other thing, last thing on this game. Kind of a decent matchup for Eastern Washington too. Their yeah. defense is a little bit shaky, uh, but they're actually they're the second best pass defense in the league, and you know that's what Idaho State's going to do. I'm excited to see those Eastern corners against. Obviously, Idaho State has the top two receivers in the league in Christian Fredrickson and Ched and James. So, uh, but that is a good matchup if Eastern secondary can hold up against those guys. Uh,
0: Fascinating that uh, two of the best passing teams in the league, Idaho and Eastern Washington, have the two best pass defenses in the league. (laughs) It's an interesting uh, statistic. Okay, Cal Poly at Montana State. Oh, buddy. This is the best team in the league versus the worst team in the league. I mean, Montana State scored 72 points last year without any running backs. They are playing Markey Johnson at running back. He's a slot receiver. He won national player of the week, rushed for 242 yards and four touchdowns. Last year was, um, it was one of the wilder games I've ever watched, only because the Cats scored 55 in the first half, and they were trying to call off the dogs, and yep. they literally couldn't. And then Cal Poly starts scoring a little bit, so then you're like, oh my gosh, well, I guess we gotta kind of have to run our stuff a little bit, because now Cal Poly's got 28 points on the board. They couldn't even run the clock out, and Vegan was like frustrated, like, hey, we're running inside and outside zone. Please, please tackle us, let this end, and it didn't end. So I don't really know. I, I do think Cowboys are better defensively than they were last year. How could you not be? I mean, they gave up, what, 130 points in a two-week span between their losses in Missoula and their loss to the Cats in, in San Luis Obispo. So I don't know what else to say about this game other than I'm going to definitely look up the single-game rushing record at Montana State, and I'm going to monitor it. That That's the reason that you watch this one is to see if the Cats can – over 500-plus on the ground.
3: Yeah, but you don't even say, like, it's a chance to make a statement for the Cats. No, we just no. both know that's going to happen, regardless of if, I mean... Well, that's the thing. The if cats they are break rushing the rushing three, record... I mean, but, the
0: Cats are rushing for 350 on everybody. That's right. right. So it, it's just a matter of how much more, more guys you get involved and how many other gash plays you get.
3: Yeah, I mean, what what is an impressive takeaway from this game for the Cats? If they average 10 yards a carry, is that impressive?
0: I, I, I don't know. I mean, they average 11.3 yards per carry against Portland State in their last win. I mean, they're averaging almost eight yards a carry as a team. They have six guys on their roster right now that are averaging over six yards per carry for their careers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's stupid. Tom Stuber's great story right now, com about the under center stuff that they've been doing. While under center, the last three games, they're averaging 9.3 yards per carry. I mean, it's like most teams would trade that
3: for passing numbers. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that would be the best quarterback in the league. <laughs>
0: That's right. That They're doing on the run. And the craziest part is that everybody in the country knows that that's all they're trying to do. And nobody can stop it. They're facing everybody in the box. Doesn't matter.
3: Just let it rip. So I think that's going to happen again this week. I guess the last thing is, you know, Tommy Malott saying he's going to be back this week. What does the hybrid offense look like? How many snaps is Tommy Malott going to get? Or are they just going to keep it under center with Sean Chambers? I don't think it's going to matter to sort of the final score of this game. Something to watch going forward in the season for the Cats is how much are they comfortable letting Tommy Millat be in the game? What do they do with him? Uh, Is is Sean Chambers still the guy this week? How do they work those guys back in with Tommy Millat now getting healthy?
0: Big Sam right Sports mt.com presented in part by Town Pump. Town Pump's going to be sending us on the road. Town Pump, roll the wild, by the mile. Back for another year. Uh, we're going to Moscow, going to Kibby Dome. Very excited about it. And uh, the fuel, the jerky, the snacks is going to be provided by Town Pump. Get those Town Pump rewards. It'll help you uh, save money. I mean, everybody's got to have gas. Everybody goes to the gas station all the time. So might as well have the rewards card and might as well use it at Town Pump. Uh, UC Davis at Weber State. Dare I say a playoff game?
3: Yeah, big game for both of these teams. They, they
0: both. I mean, UC Davis has already got three losses. Weber's got two, right?
3: They they're three and three.
0: Oh, three and three because they lost to Utah as well. Yep, yep. that's right. So, um, yeah, backs against the wall for both of them.
3: Yeah, and Weber State. Real. I mean, they both need it. Weber State really, really needs it. If if they don't look good in this game, you're you're sticking a fork in them for the season. Uh, it's sort of perplexing to me because you go back to that Utah game. They look not bad in that game. They right, looked good yep. against Northern Iowa. Yep. And then it's just fallen off a cliff for them. And I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what's going into that. I, I think that,
0: well, first of all, I think that the, the style that they played the last nine years under Jay Hill was was partly based on physicality, but it's also partly based on mentality. And that mentality comes from who the head man. I mean, the mentality and the tone that Weber wanted to play with was dictated by and set by their head coach every single Saturday. I just think they're having a hard. I don't think it's a necessarily a knock on Mickey Mental. I just think that they just have a roster full of guys that were used to responding to one guy, and they don't they don't have that guy anymore.
3: Yeah, and in that in that scenario, maybe. Keeping all the guys on the roster that they did is, is sort of a hidden drawback, right? Sure. Instead of bringing in, you know, at least some of Mickey Mental's guys. Because they, they really did a good job keeping people on that roster. Yep. You know, Eddie Hecker went to BYU or whatever. They
0: had a couple guys transfer out. And and a testament to the, the talent they had on their roster. So many guys have left the big sky in search of greener pastures and not landed yep. anywhere better. I think, I think it was five for five. We were state guys that left, that went to the prominent FBS
3: programs. So they, they had guys that were really good that could go other places. That's right. And I But just the way that it works out is sort of the worst-case scenario for these coaching changes that we were talking about in the offseason. Mickey Mental, and offensive guy being the head coach, hasn't improved the offense. They're the worst offensive team in the league. They're averaging under 300 yards a game. So you don't get that boost. Yeah. But – the defense is more middle of the pack this year than the absolute top of the conference, which is what they lived on. Yep. under Jay Hill. So you get and that the, part's
0: kind of confusing because you know, I do think it's a mentality and a tone, but also they have they have a good defensive line, they have one of the best linebackers in the league, and they have one of the best secondaries in the league. So in terms of man to man, they should be able to be
3: good at least, if not very good, defensively just because of the dudes that they got. Yep, and I you know something to to watch for them. Just give Demon Bankston the ball. Right. I mean, he's averaging over six yards of carry. Third leading rusher in the league. Yep. He's averaging the same as as Anthony Woods at Idaho per yep. carry. Yep. It's weird how problem wh- is he's got thirty fewer carries. Right. It's so weird how good he
0: looked and how good they looked against Northern Iowa and how that has escaped them since that game. It's very strange. I thought they looked great week two, and I thought they looked fine against Utah because I, I mean Utah's one of the eight or ten best teams in the in America. Absolutely. So yeah, it's weird that they have just been they just I mean, they were they were irrelevant against Montana state cats played great, but like they were no showed that game. And then they didn't do anything last week against NAU either. Really weird. Uh, let's talk about Montana at Idaho. Definitely the game of the week, not only in the league, but uh, around the FCS as well. I've talked about this game extensively. And I think that the historical elements of it are great. We'll have a story by you uh, on the historical elements of just Idaho and leaving the league, coming back to the league, all that sort of stuff a little later on at skyline sports as well. But I mean, just your take your thoughts on this matchup.
3: Huge one. I I am not sure how to value this game. The line was Idaho minus 7.5. Not sure if that's changed later in the week. Yeah. Times I feel like that's okay. At times I feel like that's undervaluing the Vandals a lot, especially given that this game is going to be a sellout in the Kibbe Dome.
0: Yeah, I thought it was going to be 13.5. I thought Idaho would open up as two touchdown favorites, and they were just
3: oh, a touchdown in the hook. Or 10.5, or something like that. I thought yep. it would get to double digits. <clears throat> yep. Um, so I guess... Two weeks ago, if I
0: would have asked you what's going to happen in Moscow when the Grizz go to the Kibby Dome, I think we both would have said the Grizz are going to get slaughtered. And then last week they have a, a good win over a good UC Davis team. And I do think it gives them a lot more hope. What do you think? If if, if Idaho wins this game, it's another affirming victory for them. Yes, they're six and oh, they'll be six and one and four and zero. Oh. Going in there by and they got Montana state coming to town for another prove it game. That's awesome for Idaho. They lose the game. Okay. Now you're looking your wounds. You got to figure it out. And then you got the cats coming to town. It's going to be a huge challenge for them to try to respond, but also a great challenge. Cause that's what this program needs as well in terms of growth for the Grizz winning last week means that if you go and lose this one, it's not SOS as much as it was. Certainly people will be uh, not happy about that in Grizz nation, but it's not—I mean, if they lose to Davis and Idaho back-to-back weeks, then you're talking about pitchforks and for-sale signs and well, the yard. Well, then you're done. Your season is over. <laughs> yeah, then you're, you're not making the playoffs. Yeah, then you're done. Right. So that's part of it. But the Grizz win this game, and it completely changes the scope of the season for Montana. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Darth Vader and the Death Star are back, and they're 7-1, and one and, you know, they're I guess they're 6-1, and one and they're going into their bye— With, you know, a top 10 ranking and they're saying, bring it on. We're going to beat Northern Colorado down. Sac State's coming to our house. The Cats are coming to our house. Let's go. It could be, it's funny to say, because Montana's had the the solid, most solid foundation as a program in the league for the last 30 years. The Cats are certainly on par, if not superior at this exact moment. But this is a program, I'm not going to say defining opportunity, but a program redefining opportunity for Montana. And it's funny. I would have told you two weeks ago that I thought the, the Grizz had a zero percent chance of winning in Moscow. Now I think Idaho is certainly a favorite, and I think they should be favored by more than a touchdown. But it's not a it's not a null and void. It is not, not it, it is not impossible that if Montana went into Idaho and won, it wouldn't actually surprise me. I, it would be a, a upset to be sure, and it would shake the the country. But if they went into, Mon- into Idaho and won, it would not be. It would not
3: blow my mind as much as some of the other things we've seen in college football throughout the years. Okay, lot to attack there. <laughs> Starting with, that's absolutely right what you're saying about how Montana has sort of made things look a lot better in the last couple weeks. Yep, we talk about it with everybody. It's just having an identity. Yep. Even if you're still working out the kinks of it, even yep. if you're still imp- improving it, just gives you so much more hope. Yeah. And I think they've got that in the last couple of weeks, and we've we we've talked about this for the last couple of years. That sort of thing affects the entire team. I think it's been undeniable when the offense has been struggling and just looking incapable yes. at times during the last couple of years. Yes. That has affected the defense. Yes. Because it has put everything yep. on the defense yep. in terms of success. Yep. Now This is not a world-beating offense that they've suddenly unlocked here with Clifton McDowell, but it can put together scoring drives. And
0: they used the quarterback to be a contributing factor in winning the game last week for the first time in a really long time. It's been a minute since they actually had the quarterback be a key and primary factor in winning the football game. And look, man, also a receiver other than Junior Bergen. Right. I mean, that's that's like the, the litmus test, right? is their three stud receivers who we have both agreed are three of the most talented players on their team have all three had big games in the last two weeks with them running basically a dumbed down screen heavy offense. We screamed about it forever. Get the ball to your playmakers in the simplest fashion possible. For the first time in so long covering a Bobby Hauk team. Well, they the, did it. That's they the they other
3: reason why going to Clifton McDowell was just look at this point I've been saying it for months. Yeah, right. At this point, everybody's agreeing with me. <laughs> that's right. You have been on it. Going to Clifton McDowell is the right choice because not only does it make the running game very effective, it forces you to make things simple in the pass game. Yeah, It forces you to scheme up easy throws for him, and there is no shame in being simple. That's exactly right. In fact, it was the best thing that could have happened to them. Because guess what? If you simply just get
0: the ball to Aaron Fonson, Jordan Bergen, and Eli Gilman, they're just better than everybody
3: else. That's right. <laughs> they're just more talented than everybody else. I mean, it it always seemed like a really simple recipe. Hey, get the plus one quarterback run game going. Yeah, right. Force everybody to put seven or eight in the box. Right. Then you can just run two-man concepts with Aaron Fonson, Keelan White, put them on the same side, yep. have them run crossing deep posts, yep. have them run mesh, whatever, have Eli Gilman leaking out of the backfield. You're going to scheme up an easy throw to one of those guys. Yep. It's not that hard. Yeah. So that's been huge for Montana. I think that's the biggest reason why I think they have a chance. And I think that that level of competency on offense is also going to be reflected in the defense's play this week.
0: Who benefits or suffers more from the result of this game? There's, there's multiple ways. Can, Idaho win, Idaho loss, Grizz win, Grizz loss. Which is the most detrimental to that side of things? Grizz loss. A Grizz loss.
3: Yeah, Ida, yeah, Idaho can Idaho can wear this one. They can wear it and still be where they want to be, need to be. It, it's a setback for sure. For I sure. think the biggest thing is that I mean, I guess if Montana comes in and wins this game 45-7 to or something, which I think is pretty much off the table... Yeah, that's right. That's right. That would really hurt you because there are going to be a lot of people who are going to an Idaho football game for the first time in 5, 10 years. 20. I mean, it's the first time the Kiwi Dome's been sold out for decades. Exactly. So, but... Not winning doesn't drive those people away. Looking bad drives those people away. Right. If if the place is packed and everybody's having fun and you end up losing it 28-24, sure. all those people are remembering that, man, Hayden Hatton made a sweet touchdown catch in the second quarter and we had a lot of fun. You're all good. And I don't think Idaho's going to get blown out in this game.
0: I do think that the worst result, I guess the most detrimental for the narratives around these programs is if the Grizz go there and get embarrassed, which I think is
3: possible. That is possible. I think the Grizz I don't could lose I don't by four think touchdowns. That the Idaho
0: is going to lose 45 to seven. The Grizz could certainly lose like 42, 14. Absolutely. And the Grizz could also though, win, and the Grizz could also go in there and fight their butts off and lose, you know, a narrow one, 31,
3: 27 or something like that. Yep. So I think it's, I think it's all on the table, but I think that that really hurts for Montana because yeah. it, First of all, in the scope of this season, it puts you really behind the eight ball. You dropped yeah. a 2-2 two and two in conference, and you got Sac State, and you got the Cats. Yeah. And that makes that Sac State game an absolute must-win. That's right. Because I don't think they're on the level of the Cats. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, no, it's true. They are. And you still got the D2 win in there, and that really hurts for your playoff resume. It also puts you definitively on the back foot in both of the rivalries that your fan base cares about.
0: Yes, right. Big Sky Breakdown. Andrew Houghton here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown, Skyline Sports MT.com. I'm excited for Moscow this weekend, man. Thanks for doing it The cat sat on the Old Works Golf Course is one of the most challenging tracks you will find anywhere in Montana, and that's why they host so many of the premier golf tournaments around the Treasure State. The 18-hole course measures at more than 7,700 yards, making it one of the longest courses in the Big Sky State. The Jack Nicholas design comes from one of the best players of all time and one of the world's leading course designs. Jack Nicholas has designed over 310 courses, including this gym located in Anaconda, Montana. Although right now, golf season is coming to a close... The Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey is now open all winter. Andrew can help you with expert swing and mental coaching, plus custom club fitting, and they have multiple state-of-the-art track band simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works, 406-563-5989. And be sure to check out Jack's Grill while you're there. Jack's Grill is also open year-round. Old Works Golf Course a gem of the Treasure State located in Anaconda, Montana.